We'll be in Revelation. Chapter 1. Verse 9. That's right. So Revelation 1, starting 9. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll read it. So, dear Lord, we just ask that you be with us in this time, Lord, that we can glorify and honor you as we read through your word. And Lord, that you would guide and direct us as we uh, discuss, learn. Um, Lord, give us wisdom and understanding that only your spirit can bring. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be surrendered to you and the things that you have for us today, Lord, that we may glorify you. Lord, we pray for our brothers who are sick, Ricky, Braden, anybody else in here who's maybe got a little something. Lord, we just ask for healing, Lord, that they would be able to join us later this week as we go into a busy weekend. So Lord, we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction, king, kingdom and endurance. Yours probably says tribulation. So... Uh, <clears throat> Endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned and saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like a son of man, dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair on his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He, said, he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is and what will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And everybody's like, and why is it significant? <laughs> <clears throat> well, first off, right there in the front, right? John is just like, hey, I'm your brother in the tribulation, in the persecution, because I myself am being persecuted, right? He doesn't make himself higher than any other, other believer. You guys catch that? What's that? The fact that he doesn't give any compliment to the reason that he was put on that he gives the cut that it was a he was sent there, he was imprisoned there. He says, I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony. So he gives the glory to God for him even being being there, right? Not because he was ordered there because I mean that's why he's there. Because he was proclaiming Christ and him crucified and resurrected. But he was he was uh, imprisoned <coughs> on that island. Yeah, he was sent there By to sh to shut him up. By man. Mm -hmm. But 
He gives the glory to God that, no, I'm here for the word of God. I mean, this is, this is even after he has been boiled in oil, he had been tarred and feathered, I believe, if I remember correctly. And the dude had been, he had faced all kinds of fun stuff. Like, could you imagine being in your, like, 90s and having been boiled in oil, you know, tarred, and then still put on a penal island where you're basically moving rocks all day. Right, but they were nice enough to let him have a cave that he could live in. <laughs> right, this is, a, this is a small island off of the coast of Ephesus, right, in the Aegean Sea. It's like 40 miles, okay, somewhere in that range. You know, so he's on this, on this island after he's faced all kinds of fun little trials and persecutions, and yet he continues to talk about Christ, right? How many of us hope that we would be like that, right? Right, that we would be willing to withstand that type of persecution. Because someday it's going to happen again, right? We understand that. Someday persecution is going to happen again. You know, especially if we are those who are standing against the Antichrist and taking the mark of the beast. You know, so we will be persecuted. I mean, you're seeing it more and more, even in areas where you didn't see it before, right? Pastors in Canada being put in prison. You have, what is it, Sweden? Putting the Bible on trial as hate speech. Okay, so it's, it's, it's happening. We're seeing things happen. So, and John's saying, look, I am your brother in this stuff. I've, I'm facing it just like you guys are. Okay. You know, so I like that he never puts himself above any of the other believers. You know, but yes, he's there on behalf of the gospel and him speaking it. And they were like, okay, we can't get him to shut up by boiling him in oil. So let's go ahead and send him onto a island where there's like almost nobody else there. You know, maybe then he'll be quiet. <laughs> and then here he is writing letters and sending them out. <coughs> right? And now this, this, what does it mean to be in the spirit? What's he saying right there? He's praying. Hey, he's in a deep aspect of prayer and worship. Right? He's like to the point of where he doesn't even realize he's still on the earth. Like that type of, that deep. Okay. So it's like this deep area of being in, in, in tune with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And of course, he says it's on the Lord's day. What day is that? Sunday. Yeah, there you go. Why is it Sunday? No, that would be Saturday. Why is it Sunday? Hey, the Christian church, the way, the people who followed Jesus, they started meeting on Sundays because that was the day he resurrected. So it was a day of celebration. Okay? And because Jesus fulfills the law, you no longer had to have the Sabbath. Because okay? he says the Lord's day. The Lord's day is Sunday because that's the day that he resurrected. That's the day, basically, the Christian church celebrates Jesus' resurrection every Sunday. Okay, so we celebrate. That's why, you know, churches are supposed to be happy places, not like solemn, you know, like, uh. We're supposed to be joyful, filled with joy. The, the Spirit is supposed to be living and working through us. And we should be joyous and happy and exalting Christ because He rose on a Sunday. 
Okay, the first day of the week is when he rose. Okay. Yeah, Sunday is actually the first day of the week. Look at your calendars. What day? Do, what, where does Sunday fall on your calendar? It's always the first day, right? So, so yeah, no, no. Generally, Josh, when he when he does say the day of the Lord, that would be the day that Jesus is returning. Yeah. So the wording has to be a specific way for it to mean that. Okay. And now he heard a loud voice like a trumpet. Could you imagine that? Like somebody with this massive booming voice just speaks behind you. Like Casey, like Casey right? Could you imagine Casey standing behind you and just start booming? Casey has a loud voice. He does. Oh, yeah, he, he does. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This time, yeah, it's loud and it's unmistakable. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. When, when, you know, a lot of times when you see God speaking, it's always in that whisper, right? You have to really listen. When it's Jesus, He is speaking in power and in glory, right? He's been glorified already. Okay? That's why he is the first of the, the resurrection unto life. He is the first one. He is the only one who has been resurrected unto life. Okay? That's the thing we're still waiting for. Right? So he has been glorified. And that's why it goes on further down to describe a little bit about Jesus. But first he says who this scroll is to be written to. Right? The seven churches in Asia. Okay, and we talked about this already. The reason that those are the churches that are picked are one, they're closer to where John is, and then three or two, it's because they went in a clockwise road, postal route. They were all intertwined and connected, and not to mention that area was such a diverse area that people would visit those churches, hear what is being read on the scroll, and then go out from there to everywhere else. Okay, hence the reason we have it, okay, because it eventually made its way across the different seas and oceans and, you know, and we ended up having God's word in our hands, okay. So, it's written for all believers, but it was specifically written to these churches because God knew it would go out from there, okay. One thing, it's really, that's just one of those things, you know, it's like, yeah, God knows what he's doing. I don't need to, I don't need to question it, <laughs> you know, although God's cool with our questions. So don't think that you can't question, you know. So then John turns around and he looks, right? He wants to see who is this really loud voice talking to me? I'm sure in the back of his head, he knows. I'm sure he knows, right? And he sees when he turns around, he sees golden lampstands, you know, and then he finds out later that those represent churches, right? Because churches are supposed to be a light into the world, right? The church, the body of Christ is supposed to be a light into the world, right? But it's also the separate churches are supposed to be lights, right? Where the believers go, get trained up in ministry, and then are sent out, right? Because light is supposed to emit from that one point, right? Right? On a lamp, if I put a lamp in here, you know, light's emitting from that point. 
So it's the same way with the church. The church is the light that is supposed to be emanating out into the different areas around it, right? It's supposed to be building up the believers for the work of ministry. We're supposed to be getting sent out, right? It's not where we're supposed to sit and just listen and bring people into. It is where we are supposed to get trained and sent. Okay. <clears throat> so now, the one among the lampstands, who are we seeing? Jesus. Right? This is Jesus. This is Jesus like we've never seen him before. There's only one other time that he's been seen like this in the New Testament. And that was at the Mount of Transfiguration. John's already seen this version of Jesus. Okay? But now he's really getting a good description. And he's actually drawing from the book of Daniel. Okay? Because if you go to Daniel 7-9, you see this same person. Right? Here, yeah, I'll even read it to you. Daniel 7-9. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days... Who's that? Jesus. God. God. Okay. Took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. Okay. So who's that? It's God, but it's also Jesus, right? Yeah. Right? Because Jesus is God, right? Correct. Okay. So this is the actual pre, before Jesus has even come to the earth. It's pre-incarnate Jesus. It's Jesus in his glorified form. It's Jesus as God outside of a bod. Okay? Right? Because Jesus is God inside of a bod. Okay, this is Jesus without the body part. Okay, but he looks like a man. There are other places he's described the same way. Okay, that's why Jesus' favorite title for himself is the Son of Man, because he looks like a Son of Man. You know, even though he did not have a daddy, he had, he had God. Okay, and so I really like that John puts, to, puts it all together for us, right? Daniel sees the vision of Jesus on the throne, the ancient of days, God. And then he goes, hey, this is the same person. Right? Is there any question that Jesus is God? No. Right? So many people still question that. And then you can take them to verses like this and go, um, but the same guy here in the New Testament is the same guy here in the Old Testament. It's describing the exact same person. Okay. You know, and there's significance to each of the little kind of things, right? Because white, the whitest white, represents his purity and the fact that he's pure. Not to mention, in some of your versions, it'll tell you that it's a robe that goes all the way down to his feet, right? And that the sash goes across his chest like this all the way around him. Okay, that's how the high priest would be dressed. And Jesus is our high priest, right? That's what Hebrews tells us. He's our high priest through the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was probably the pre-incarnate Jesus. Okay? 
We don't know that for sure, but it says that he had no father, he had no mother, he just was. So you're probably talking Jesus. Right? Okay, it's a priesthood that is without end. Okay? And that's Jesus. Okay, so you have the purity represented of Jesus. The fact that he is the one who is amongst the lampstands. He, Jesus hangs out amongst the church, the body of Christ. Being the head of the, of the body, he is going to hang out amongst the church. As long as your church is actually representing him. Right? Because too many churches don't actually represent Christ. Okay. And then, you know, the golden robe, the golden sash. Again, that's a sign of his purity and his royalty. Okay. And then you go down. <clears throat> his hair. Okay. Being white as wool. In the Bible, gray hair and white hair was a symbol of wisdom. And Jesus is the most wise all-knowing God of the universe. So yeah, he's got this white hair, right? This is pretty radical. A pretty radical view of Christ. Like we see all these pictures of Christ nowadays. It's like this sad surfer Jesus who's hanging on a cross, right? He's some white dude with, you know, a little bit of blood hanging off of him and he's nailed to a cross. Or he's, you know, he's just this dude who's like brown hair, blue eyes, you know, that's not him. Every picture we come up with him, that's just not him. Right? We see this, we're like, this dude is scary. This dude would freak me out too. Right? Like eyes like a flame of fire, meaning that he sees. He sees through you. He is burning through you. He sees to the heart. Okay, because he's the one who tests and judges. <clears throat> you know, his feet are like fiery bronze, basically meaning that he has such pure, pure feet that he can trample anything. That's how hard that 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 metal would be. Okay, it's a picture of his being able to judge. Okay, and then you move down. <clears throat> His voice, like cascading waters. Again, that trumpet, that super loud, commanding voice. You know, you want to listen when he speaks. Not to mention, you probably won't not be able to, how loud it is. Okay? Jesus is showing his preeminence to John in this vision. Okay? He holds the seven stars, okay? the angels of the church. Now, he goes on to explain that a little bit later, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay? And then a sharp, double-edged sword. Now, who thinks this is a real sword that when he breathes, manifests into his hands? I think that would actually be really awesome. There's a David Crowder video that, that kind of shows that. They made this like anime version of Jesus' return, which is really awesome. It's probably not 100% correct, but it's at least cool looking. And in one of, the, one of the things, Jesus is standing ready to fight Satan, and he breathes, and this double-edged sword manifests into his hand. That's really cool. I'll have to show you guys someday. You know, but it's also just that Jesus is word, right? Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is word. 
cuts deeper than anything else ever could, right? To the dividing of soul and spirit, to the dividing of bone and marrow, meaning that Jesus' words, one, are commanding because of him being able to command anything, right? Because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he can speak into anything and it's going to be commanded. And two, he can cut deep. He can cut deep with his words, right? How many of us have been reading the word and just felt like, dang, come on, man, right? Right? How many of us have had that experience? <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes to all that divorce talk. Yeah. 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 That's certainly true. Yep, it yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, says that his face was shining like the sun at full strength. Meaning, okay, like I said, John's already seen this. Saw this on the Mount of Transfiguration. May not have been the exact of what he's seeing here. But he saw him emanate just light. He just turned into light. Right? Showing his power. Showing that he is the Lord God Almighty. Because God is an unapproachable light. Right? There's a reason that the angels that hang out around him, or the seraphim, you know, the ones with the six wings, and the four faces, and eyes all over. Okay? The reason they're called seraphim is because they are the burning ones. They are in the presence of God, and they are just on fire. Because God is pretty much lighting them on fire. Right? Think about it. In, in Daniel, it says that his throne is fire. <laughs> he sits on the throne of fire. Could you imagine that? I'd be so scared. I would probably do exactly what John did here. <laughs> I felt like a dead man. I tend to think that he actually died. I mean, but that's just conjecture on my part. But the fact that Jesus had to touch him and, you know, and help him back up kind of almost tells me he died and Jesus resurrects him. <laughs> it's like, hey man, don't be afraid. It's me. Hi. <laughs> I look a little different than I did when I ascended. You know, but Jesus is like, hey man, get up. Don't be afraid. Hey, you know who I am. I'm the first, I'm the last. Right? So Jesus is actually echoing what God said over here in verse 8. Right? God says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega. You know, the one who is, was, and is to come. The Almighty. And Jesus is going, hey, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last, the living one. Right? The first and the last there is still the same words. Alpha, Omega, first and last. Okay, he says, I'm the living one. Meaning, meaning what? <coughs> that he died and was risen. Okay? And he says that. He's like, look, I was dead. And now I'm alive forevermore. Okay? One of the words that is used there in the Greek is prototos. Which, would, which is where we get our word prototype, right? Jesus is the prototype of what we are going to become, right? We will have glorified bodies. No, we will not become gods. Sorry, Mormons. You know, 
we will not become gods, but we will have glorified and resurrected bodies. Okay, they will be transformed and they will be perfect. Jesus has a perfect glorified body, yet he still bears the scars of the cross. And I bet you he bears them, he bears them proudly. Right? There's going to be no mistaking who Jesus is when you get to heaven. Yeah, Mark. Would we be counted like angels? No. The way you kind of said that, I kind of thought maybe. It's going to be similar, but no. Okay. Angels are still a whole different being. Okay. We will not, like, from, from anywhere in the Bible, you don't see that we get wings, you know. But, you know, we see that Jesus just appears and disappears, right? If Jesus is the prototype, you know, then we are hopefully going to be able to do some of the things that he is, has, was able to do, right? He walked through walls, right? The doors were locked in the upper room and he just appears. You just imagine, like, hey, I want to go to that side of heaven and go. You know, we might be able to fly. We'd have no clue. I've not been there. And there's a lot of people that claim they've been there. I'm sure there's only been a few that have been there and are able to talk about it. You know, I take those with a grain of salt, you know, because it needs to match what it says in the word. You know, but he says, I'm alive forevermore. I hold the keys of death in Hades. Right? That's showing his power over those things because he defeated them. He defeated the grave. He defeated death. Says, I hold the keys. I will decide who, you know, if that's where you're supposed to go. Because if you didn't follow me, guess where you're going to go? Hades. You're going to hang out in a very unpleasant place until you're ushered into the lake of fire. We'll get into that later. Just not today. <laughs> that's way far away. A long ways to go before we get there. Now, and then after, after he sees this picture, and after he describes himself, you know, as the first and the last, you know, the living one, the one who holds the keys of death and Hades, he says, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? Right? Exactly. Whenever you see a therefore, you should probably wonder why is it there? Okay. And the reason it's there is because because I am the first and the last and the living one, the one who was dead and is now alive forevermore, and the fact that I hold the keys to death and Hades means, therefore, you need to do what I'm about to tell you. Right? He's, he's basically commanding John to write this revelation. To write the letter. To write the book. To write the scroll. And have it sent out to the seven churches. Okay. And he goes, I know you're wondering, John. I know you're wondering what it is. But the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands, here what it, here's what it is. The seven stars are the angels. Okay. Some people think that that might be the pastors or the leaders of the church. It's hard to come up with that. Because in the Greek, they use the word for angel, which is angelos. Okay? Or in this case, because it's plural, angelai. 
okay? So it's pretty much talking about angels, okay? There are angels, because angels are messengers, right? They tend to be messengers or protectors of some sort, okay? There's different, different angels for different things, okay? Some of them minister to God, some of them minister to us, okay? Whatever, the, whatever God tells them to do is what they're going to do, okay? <clears throat> but it's kind of interesting to know that, hey, there's an angel over your church. There's an angel that kind of oversees what's happening in your church, Hey, and I'm sure they're probably reporting back to God. Saying, hey, this is what they're doing in that church. Right? Think about it. Every church that you see described doesn't really exist anymore. They were all destroyed. And we'll get into that. There's a lot of, we'll get into that. <laughs> hey. Now on the seven lampstands, again, we already talked about this. No, those are the churches, okay? Because we should be the light in the world, right? Each one of us should be a light into the world. We should be proclaiming Jesus. We should be proclaiming the gospel. We should be proclaiming the words of this book. Together we should be a fire. Just like what Jesus looked like. That's right. Is that like the seven spirits too that are in the lamps? No. Yeah, the seven spirits are the are the the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, you know, but right, we should be the lights. We should be the ones that are on fire and emanating, you know, the love of Christ to everybody else. Right? It doesn't matter how screwed up and jacked up you are. If God wants to use you, He's going to use you. Okay? We should be surrendered, willing to do whatever He calls us to do. You know, maybe he calls you to go live in Rwanda and preach the gospel. Maybe he calls you to go downtown and preach the gospel. You know, maybe he's telling you to pray for your pray for your roommate. You know, whatever it is. You know, maybe he's telling you that hey, you got a conflict with somebody, and you need to go work it out. Okay, you're supposed to be brothers in Christ, and you're treating each other like you're dirt. Okay, there's something. That he does not want our light to be dimmed over, right? And it's sin. Sin dims that light. And sin in the church is prevalent. It's prevalent. Okay? And Jesus goes on to address that prevalency to each of these churches. And he calls them to repent. Just like he calls us to repent. All right? Right, and we'll get into this next time. But there's one, one scripture that I want you guys to kind of meditate on this week, okay? And it's in Revelation two, verse five. Okay, remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Okay? Repentance is necessary in order to follow Christ. This is a necessary aspect of following Christ. Okay? Dwell on that. 
but we'll probably be talking about it again real soon. So, but the one I want you to dwell on is that one about repentance. Okay. The one about what? About repentance. Okay. Yeah. If you if you look at it, one good way that I started remembering it was remember, repent, return. Okay. Remember where you've fallen, repent from your sin, and return to Christ. Okay. Do the mind says do the works you did at first. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. We'll get into that, but just real quick, what basically, so I can answer your question really fast, is that most people when they come to Christ, they're super on fire, right? And they want to go spread the gospel and they want to share Jesus with everybody. And that eventually starts to die down. Okay. He's saying, no, go back and do that. Keep doing that. Okay, don't let that fire die. Okay, so. Anything else? Any other questions? Mike, Mike says uh, in 11, write down what you see and send it to the seven churches. What does that mean? Just what you uh, sell? The revelation. The revelation? Or? Yeah. 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 Write down, write down the revelation and have it sent. Okay. Okay. Next.